This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! That's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. I wish I could tell you who the next president of the United States is, but thus far, I can't do it. I would love to be able to do it. I gave it my all, but unfortunately, uh, it appears that we have a coup underway. At least that's the opinion of a lot of people. So we have a number of states where ballot counting is continuing. Now, I you know, moment by moment, things are changing. So just go with what we've got right now. Here are a few interesting tidbits about what's gone on. Wisconsin is one of the states that is still counting ballots. Wisconsin, interestingly enough, is reporting 3,239,920 votes cast. And you listen to that number and you think, okay. And and then you look at the registration rolls. Wisconsin only has 3 million 129,000 registered voters. That's some creative math. So 100% turnout among registered voters in the state of Wisconsin with an extra 110,000 plus voters thrown in for good measure. Where did they come from? Yeah, you're just supposed to trust the system. Then we have Michigan, and you might have seen some of these charts online. Michigan ballots, which miraculously appeared out of nowhere overnight, 138,000 of them. And did you know every last voter, every last voter in that number of 138,000 went for Joe Biden? Not one vote for Donald Trump, not one vote for Jorgensen, not one vote for Kanye. All Joe Biden. Isn't that just unbelievable? Then we have the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, as reported by Sean Davis over at The Federalist, having said that all ballots that were received after Election Day, after Election Day, even those that have no postmark, have to be assumed to have been legally cast. Now, you look at this and you think to yourself, How in the world can this be going on? And in fact, we've had warning all along that this would be going on. We've had warning way before we even understood how they were going to try to use the mail-in ballot scenario to steal the election. And then they're going after President Trump for what he had to say last night, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. But here's the bottom line. You had, I'm going to give you the details here on the Michigan numbers. Michigan, when it had 4.26 million votes counted, had Trump at 2.2 million and Biden at 1.9 million. And then when they added in another, you know, 138,000, all of a sudden Biden got every single one of them. No fraud, right? No fraud at all. It's unbelievable. Now, some of the latest numbers, there have been some outlets that have now called Georgia for Trump. But as we're looking at some of these numbers, for example, over at Fox, which I shouldn't even look at anymore after what they did last night. I don't know how many of you guys were watching Fox. What a horrendous broadcast. Horrendous. They had the panel of moms talking about how moms were just against Trump and they loved Black Lives Matter and suburban moms were going to make all the difference. And I'm thinking to myself, every single white suburban mom 
hates Trump. Not in my experience. I don't even know what they're talking about. It's, it, it's ridiculous. And this is Fox News, which obviously is not the Fox News of old. Then they called uh, Arizona for Biden with almost no votes counted. I can't remember how many votes actually had come in, but it was a scant number of votes coming in in Arizona. They call Arizona for Biden. They wouldn't call Florida for Trump. There were all kinds of states they wouldn't call for Trump. They wouldn't call Texas for Trump with over 80% of the votes in. I'm thinking, how how is this happening? I remember distinctly back in 2016 that it went a lot faster. And didn't it seem interminable last night? It just was taking forever. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not a good sign. This is not a good sign to see how this is all going down. But at any rate, uh, at the moment, and as I say, these things can change moment by moment, you have... According to Fox, Nevada leaning blue, Wisconsin leaning blue, ha ha ha, with all its extra unregistered voters who materialized out of thin air. Michigan leaning blue, but you have Pennsylvania leaning red, 20 electoral votes there. You've got that extra district in Maine, the second district in Maine, because they don't do a winner take all in Maine. You have an extra one there leaning red, North Carolina leaning red, Georgia with 16 electoral votes. Again, some outlets are calling Georgia definitively for Trump, and then you have a Alaska with three. It is nail biter. But what is really, really disturbing about the whole thing is that we know exactly what kind of character the left has. This is not a group of people who play by the rules. They have not been playing by the rules at all for quite a long time. And you have seen their totalitarian hand right in front of you this entire year. If you hadn't seen it before this year, you see it now. You see it with the pandemic response. You see it with the the way that abortion clinics and liquor stores are allowed to open and operate as normal, but churches are shut down. They're telling you who they are. Why would anybody think that the left would go into an election and play by the rules? It's not what they do. They don't care about the rules. And for example, and I'm going to throw this in just at the outset before we get into some of what President Trump had to say last night, Bevelyn Beatty, who is that precious Christian woman who went in New York and and got out there on the streets and took a can of paint and started painting over the Black Lives Matter mural. She is she is one on fire Christian, precious black woman, and she can't stand Black Lives Matter. She sees it for what exactly exactly for what it is. She was stabbed. She was stabbed last night in election night violence. It's just stunning to me. And she wasn't the only one stabbed. There were some other people from the Proud Boys who also were apparently stabbed in the nation's capital. I want to play a little bit of what Bevelyn had to say from her hospital bed. This is Cut 6. The people who stabbed me were not just Black Lives Matter kids. They are Black Lives Matter kids, yes. But listen to me. These kids came out to do one thing and one thing only, destroy. Let me tell you something right now. When we were walking, we were actually standing, sitting on a stool, and we were listening to Trump make an announcement about voter fraud, okay? We seen a old white man across the street in a suit, and he looked like he had just came from an election event. And as he was walking, okay, we seen three young black kids walk up on him and start to taunt him. And well, basically, they were not physically attacking him, but they were verbally, just basically, they were about to attack him. Like literally, you guys, they were about to attack this man. So all of us see what's happening. We run over there to 
um, we run over there to tell the kids to stop. Leave the boy alone. I mean, leave the man alone. The kids grab us, though, and start attacking us. They grab us and start hitting us. So now in the video, you see me pulling the girl, trying to pull the girl off of my hair. She's grabbed my hair. I mean, these kids, and then one of the guys said, he said, yeah, this is what I was looking for. These kids came out to fight. It's stunning, isn't it? This is the United States of America now. And we're going to get a lot more just like it. I'm absolutely convinced. It isn't like the pandemic's going to vanish and everything's going to return to normal. It's not going to return to normal because you have an entire army, as it were, not an official army, but I'm using that in a very, as a rhetorical device. You have a lot of people in this country who just flat out want to destroy America as it's been handed down to us and fundamentally transform it. Remember those famous words from that inspiring presidential figure? Oh, yes, not Trump, the man who preceded him. Fundamentally transform America. It's happening. It's happening. Now, we don't know exactly how it will all turn out. The Trump campaign manager, I guess, did a press call and was saying if every legally counted ballot is taken into account, then Trump will win. But the problem is not the legal ballots. The problem is the illegal ballots. And the problem is the lack of good faith on the left to do things in an upward and a in an honorable manner. They're not going to. Why would they? This is the same side of the aisle that put together a fake dossier paid for by Hillary Clinton's campaign. And then now it's been admitted that she knew about it and she started it and you had Obama in on it and you know all of this stuff. Why would the side of the aisle that tried to take down a duly elected president give him a fair shot now? We'll take a break. We'll be back. This is Janet Mefford for Bible League International. What did you pray for today? Good health, safety, maybe to meet a goal? Those are good things to pray for. But pastors and evangelists in the Middle East aren't praying for material blessings or for an end to the persecution or difficulties they face. Rather, they're praying for copies of God's Word so that believers will be spiritually nourished and strengthened to live out their faith in this challenging part of the world. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like the Middle East, Asia, Africa, and Latin America live each day without their very own Bible. But you can send one today. Give one Bible for only $5, 20 Bibles for $100, or 200 Bibles for $1,000. Whatever you'd like to give, you can become a Bible sender by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-W-O-R-D. 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. A burning issue worthy of public discussion across America is expanding the Supreme Court. Our government was designed to have three independent branches for an effective system of checks and balances. Court expansion would undermine the independence of the judiciary branch and make it a political arm of the legislative branch with partisan results. Watch a new video on the critical importance of the Supreme Court in ending abortion. Visit lifeissues.org and click on the top banner. 
Hi, this is Janet. It's been exciting to see so many of you help our ministry partner, Heart for Lebanon, this month. We had a goal to help bring the hope of Jesus to 100 families, and I'm so pleased to be able to tell you that to date, over 200 families have been served. We thank God for those of you who participated, but if you didn't have a chance to invest in what God is doing there, it's not too late. Just call 888-247-5499. That's 888-247-5499, or there is a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. It was very interesting. I was driving our youngest to school this morning after a very long night. Hey, you know, praise the Lord for coffee. In fact, I was so tired at one point, I made myself an individual cup of coffee in the Keurig and I didn't put any coffee in it. <laughs> That's how tired, you know you're really tired when you forget to put the coffee in the coffee maker. You go, why do I have a cup of hot water? That's not what I was going for. At any rate, I was taking our youngest to school this morning and she said, mom, is God going to have mercy on us? And I said, I don't know if God's going to have mercy on us, but I know God always has mercy on us. And I'm really clinging to that. God always has mercy on us. Why? Because he solved our biggest problem. I am not saying that the way a lot of Christians are saying it right now. You've got the whole woke crowd in evangelicalism. I'm going to deal with them later. But you have the whole woke crowd. You know, what we really need is unity. It's important for people to understand that good Christians can have differing opinions on different political matters. I'm not denying that in reality, but we're not exactly back in 1952, folks. We have a coup underway. Uh, You might want to get on the side of freedom. I don't know how many times I have to say this, but I'm getting really tired of hearing this. And they are also the ones who are making a big splash. Oh, well, you know, regardless of what happens, this provost, for example, at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Matt Hall, who put out that video talking about how I'm a racist, I'm a white supremacist, you know, all this hostage video. He put out an article at Baptist Press in which he was saying, you know, you need to remember what Carl Henry said, he of Christianity Today, years ago. He said, we may not always have it. USA, but we'll always have a church. And I'm thinking, that is so trite. I don't want to lose my country. Of course, we're always going to have a church. But that doesn't mean you have to go, eh, easy come, easy go. I mean, it was a nice experiment, 240 years. I'm glad it went well for a little while. But you know what? God's still on the throne. God is still on the throne. But the people who are minimizing the importance of this moment in history are infuriating me, and I'm too tired to deal with them right now. Like I said, I'm going to put them on the back burner for now. I will come back to you people. But tonight, today, whatever time of day it is, I'm going to talk about what went on last night. Now, I want to get to the president's comments because the president was, of course, criticized for some of his comments late, late, late in the middle of the night uh, after we didn't know who, in fact, was going to win the presidential election. I want to play some of that audio for you. Let's listen here to the president. Cut one. We were getting ready for a big celebration. We, We were winning everything. And all of a sudden it was just called off. The results tonight have been phenomenal, and we are getting ready. I mean, literally, we were just all set to get outside and just celebrate something that was so beautiful, so good, uh, such a vote, such a success. The citizens of this country have come out in record numbers. This is a record. There's never been anything like it to support our incredible movement. We won states that we weren't expected to win. Florida, we didn't win it. We won it by a lot. And we won 
the great state of Ohio. We won Texas. We won Texas. We won Texas by 700,000 votes, and they don't even include it in the tabulations. Well, there you have it. So Texas went red. No surprise to me, no surprise to any of us who are living in Texas. They always love to talk about flipping Texas. Thus far hasn't happened. He also talked about Georgia and North Carolina. These were some of the comments from the president on that score. Cut to. It's also clear that we have won Georgia. We're up by 2.5 percent or 117,000 votes with only 7% left. They're never going to catch us. They can't catch us. Likewise, we've clearly won North Carolina. Where we're up 1.4% or 77,000 votes with only approximately 5% left. They can't catch us. We also, uh, if you look and you see uh, Arizona, we have a lot of life in that. And somebody said, Somebody declared that it was a victory for, and maybe it will be. I mean, that's possible, but certainly there were a lot of votes out there that we could get because we're now just coming into what they call Trump territory. I don't know what you call it, but these were friendly Trump voters, and that could be overturned. The gentleman that called it, I watched tonight, he said, Well, we think it's fairly unlikely that he could catch. Well, fairly unlikely. You never know. You never know what's going to come of it. So uh, we're still kind of in flux. Speaking of Arizona, though, this was a video that was making the rounds on social media last night. This was out of Maricopa County. And apparently there was some skullduggery taking place in Maricopa County, some of these polling places, because apparently they were supposed to be using ballpoint pens to fill out those ballots. And some of these voters were being told, oh, no, don't use a pen, use a Sharpie. Use a Sharpie, which, as they are now saying, they don't work. Sharpies don't work. Your ballot won't be counted if you use a Sharpie. Let me play some of that audio for you. This is Cut 7. So the people that were in front of me, there were two people in front of me that used the Sharpie. Yes. That was given to them by the poll workers. Yes. It did not read their ballot. Okay. And they slid it in there twice. I used the pen. Yep. Took their Sharpie and threw it away. And it read your and ballot. And it read my ballot. And it read your ballot. And it read my So ballot. what they're doing is they're telling people to use the Sharpies. That way, yes. those votes aren't counted. Yes. That's exactly what's happening. Yes. So there was other people that were in there voting with their with their pens, and they literally went around and they were yanking pens out of their hands. Yes. They tried to do that to me. And I took the Sharpie and I hid it because then they said, look for all the Sharpies that are not being used and take the Sharpies back. They had a bowl of pens behind them that they were not giving to people and only giving Sharpies up. There we go. So the ones with the Sharpies are not being read at all. No. I mean, just add it all up on a list here. All of these things that were going over the potential for election fraud here is just as widespread as we probably thought it would be and maybe even worse. This is why there are lawyers on the ground all over the country trying to deal with this. Certainly the Trump campaign was not caught flat footed that this was going to be going on. And I'm glad to see the president fighting back. Uh, He is a fighter. We know that about him. Here he spoke a little bit about states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. This is what the president had to say uh, early in the morning. Cut three. But most importantly, we're winning Pennsylvania by a tremendous amount of votes. We're, we're up 600. Think of this. Think of this. Think of this. 
We're up 690,000 votes in Pennsylvania. 690,000. These aren't even close. It's not like, oh, it's close. With 64% of the vote in, it's going to be almost impossible to catch. And we're coming into good Pennsylvania areas where they happen to like your president. I mean, it's like, so we'll probably expand that. Uh, we're winning Michigan, but I'll tell you, I looked at the numbers. I said, whoa. I looked, I said, wow, that's a lot. By almost 300,000 votes. And 65% of the vote is in. And we're winning Wisconsin. And I said, we're winning. We don't need all of them. But here's the thing that went on late last night. You have Trump doing well in a number of these states, and all of a sudden, these urban areas are shut down. Oh, we're not going to count ballots anymore tonight. This is a perfect example of it via the New York Post. Philadelphia just plain old stopped counting mail-in ballots. They, they just stopped. We're not going to, okay, we'll count them in the morning. It was just unbelievable to me. There was an independent reporter based in Philadelphia, Max Marin, who tweeted out, no more mail ballot results tonight. This was at 9.30 Eastern. We're going to resume it at 9 a.m. Wednesday. And then full unofficial results could take until Friday to know. I mean, how much faith do you have that everything's going to be on the up and up in Pennsylvania when that is such a key state? They're going to fight for every single state and they're going to fight dirty. That's just my opinion. Now, I want to go on talking about what the president knew beforehand. He addressed it. This is cut four. We have so many. We had such a big night. You just take a look at all of these states that we've won tonight. And then you take a look at the kind of margins that we've won them by. And, and all of a sudden, it's not like we're up 12 votes and we have 60 percent left. We won states and all of a sudden... I said, what happened to the election? It's off. And we have all these announcers saying, what happened? And then they said, oh, because you know what happened? They knew they couldn't win. So they said, let's go to court. And did I predict this, Newt? Did I say this? I've been saying this from the day I heard they were going to send out tens of millions of ballots. I said exactly because either they were going to win, or if they didn't win, they'll take us to court. So Florida was a tremendous victory, 377,000. Texas, as we said. Ohio, think of this. Ohio, a tremendous state, a big state. I love Ohio. We won by 8.1%, 461,000. Almost 500,000 votes. North Carolina, big victory with North Carolina. And so we won there. We lead by 76,000 votes with almost nothing left. And all of a sudden, everything just stopped. You know, it's very odd to me. This hit me at different points during the night. It's very odd to me that you have all these people who don't care about Hunter Biden, don't care about the Chinese. They don't care about Biden's history of lying through his teeth or insulting voters or making all sorts of racially insensitive remarks through the years. None of that matters. They don't care that he's out there making all sorts of gaffes. He introduced his granddaughter as his dead son yesterday. No problem. I mean, he's clearly 
out of it. He's out of it. And I have human compassion for anybody who's in that mental state. But I'm thinking, you have millions of people who are saying, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that that guy would make a great president. Where are we? We're going to come back on Janet Meffer today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Preborn. For $140, you can provide ultrasounds to five women in crisis pregnancies. Call now, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-2229 or JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. That really was the weirdest election night ever. That will go down in the record books. And we still don't know who the president will be. We're still watching and praying. And meanwhile, in a number of states, you have the ballot counting going on and votes materializing out of nowhere. It's like, you know, the magicians are in charge of this election. It's just extraordinary to watch what is unfolding. And it's enraging to watch what is unfolding. We had several people stabbed in Washington, D.C. last night by Black Lives Matter, including one black Christian, Bevelyn Beatty, who's been an absolute hero as far as standing up for the United States of America and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. She's been out in Portland preaching the gospel. And uh, she's, she's, I shouldn't say preaching because you got to watch it with the female role in all of this, but sharing the gospel with people. So at any rate, we have all of this going on. Now, the biggest line of last night that Trump took a lot of heat for was the one I want to play for you now, leading into what we're going to talk about next. Let's listen to the line of the night. Cut five. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election Frankly, we did win this election. So our goal now is to ensure the integrity for the good of this nation. This is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at four o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. Okay? It's it's a very sad it's a very sad moment. To me, this is a very sad moment. And we will win this. And we as far as I'm concerned, we already have won it. Now, many people got mad at the president for saying that. You can't say you won. All right, you're right. You can't say that he won because it's not over until it's over. And on that point, I agree. But what he really was trying to convey is that we need to make sure that how the people really voted is how the election goes and that we don't have all of this fraud going on, which we all know is going on. And we don't have ballots that come out of nowhere at 4 a.m., which is pretty much what happened. That's pretty much what happened. And and you go back to this article on Axios. This was printed on Election Day, and I, I find this very interesting to consider. It says this, if news organizations declare Joe Biden the mathematical president-elect, he plans to address the nation as its new leader, even if President Trump continues to fight in court, advisors tell Axios. 
hang on a second. As long as we have had a peaceful transfer of power in this constitutional republic, you don't have the guy who won immediately standing up and taking charge. That isn't how it works. You have a president who might have been voted out of office, but he continues to stay in office until the inauguration. And then he flies away in Marine One. There are a lot of, you know, a lot of waving and clapping goes on. And then the new guy is sworn in. That's how it works. What is this about Joe Biden plans to address the nation as its new leader. You're not going to be the new leader if you even win until you're sworn in. Then they say why it matters. Biden advisors learned the lesson of 2000 when Al Gore hung back while George W. Bush declared victory in that contested election, putting the Democrat on the defensive while Bush acted like the winner. Well, Bush was the winner. So if Biden is declared the winner, he'll begin forming his government and looking presidential and won't yield to doubts Trump might try to sow. Well, you remember Hillary Clinton said to Biden, don't concede under any circumstances. We should have paid more attention to that. Well, we did. But many more people should have paid attention to that comment at the outset. What do you mean under any circumstances? There are some very valid circumstances under which Biden should concede the election. Namely, he lost. So if that happens on either side, the person who lost has to concede. That's how it works. And Trump never said, I'm going to refuse to concede the election under any circumstances. He said, I will not concede if it looks like it was a fraudulent election. Nor should he. I don't think there's anybody in the country who voted for Trump who would want him to concede under the present circumstances until we know for sure that everything was on the up and up. And that's going to take weeks, if not months, to fully get through. I don't know how long this thing is going to be drug out, but it's going to be a long slog for sure. Biden forming a government and looking presidential even before we know Biden's schedule has been, you know, addressing the nation on election night, which he did. He did make some comments on election night. Biden campaign manager Jen O'Malley, Dillon, told reporters Monday that even if all the votes aren't counted on election night, the campaign should have a very good sense of where we're headed. We're not really concerned about what Donald Trump says. We're going to use our data, our understanding of where this is headed, and make sure that the vice president is addressing the American people. Biden may begin transition announcements quickly, starting with senior staff appointments. That way, core aides won't have to worry about their own jobs, but will immediately be able to get to work. And Biden plans to adopt this one as hilarious. Biden plans to adopt what one confidant called a healing tone. Oh, that'll help. That'll help. A healing tone as Antifa gathers in the streets and starts stabbing Christians. That's fabulous. A healing tone will solve everything. It'll be the balm we've all needed. He will begin talking about the path forward in battling the coronavirus. Right. Biden knows how to battle the coronavirus. What do you do? Call China up and say, bring it back, boys. I have no idea. All I know is all of this was in our sights from the beginning. Judicial Watch, for example, reported by the Washington Times just a few weeks ago. Judicial Watch released a comparison study of Census Bureau population statistics and state voter registration data and revealed a notable disparity. They are now warning, and this was on October 20th, of potential voter fraud and dirty voter rolls. No surprise there. Tom Fitton and his group do a great job on this stuff. The study found that 352 U.S. counties in 29 states managed to have 1.8 million more registered voters than eligible voting age citizens. So this whole thing that is going on now in Wisconsin, they already knew about it. 
Tom Fitton is quoted in this article as saying, in other words, the registration rates of those counties exceeded 100 percent of eligible voters. So it isn't just in Wisconsin. It's a lot of places. The study found eight states showing statewide registration rates exceeding 100 percent. And you know what? On this list, Wisconsin isn't even on it. Here's who they did identify as having more registered voters uh, who are eligible, exceeding 100% of eligible voters in their registration rolls. Alaska, Colorado, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Some of that access ran as high as 187%. In Texas, 177% in New Mexico and 171% in South Dakota. So you can see that there is so much fraud going on. I appreciate outlets, for example, like Project Veritas that have been trying to do undercover reporting in the last several months leading up to the election, trying to show people this is so messed up. For one thing, it came into my mind last night, and I continue to maintain this position, you just can't have all this early voting. There's, there is just too much room for fraud. And I know they love to scream about disenfranchisement. How about we go back to everybody votes on election day and stands in line and votes on election day? And how about we enforce the rules and enforce the rules by statute that at X time, everything is closed. By X time, everything has to be counted and announced. We do not have another election night where there are big question marks and we have no idea what's going on. Certainly, you will never be able to fully get rid of the threat of litigation. If there is fraud, there will always be that possibility. But this is just total chaos. And again, this is something that everybody knew going into the election. You had on the GOP side, people knowing about it, warning of it, saying this is going to be an incredible opportunity to cheat. And on the other side, you had mail-in voting. Isn't it great? (laughs) I mean, I'm imitating the laugh, of course. I'm tired. Give me a break. But this is this is what they are using uh, to gin up the numbers. It's just the way it is. So what I want to get into when we come back is this idea of a coup. It's not something that we've ever had an experience with, but is it real? We're going to come back. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. What's it like when a pregnant mom sees her baby for the first time? It all came down to the ultrasound. And I saw this little lima bean looking thing with a halo, which I thought was incredible. A baby wasn't really in the plan for this young mom. After seeing a halo on her baby on ultrasound at a preborn center, she was still leaning towards abortion. And I got to hear the heartbeat and I got chills. In that moment, I just felt God's arms come around me and hug me and tell me that it was going to be okay. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. Ultrasounds save lives. Would you join with Preborn in helping moms to choose life? For $140, you can help rescue five babies' lives. And now through a matching gift, your gift is doubled, rescuing 10 babies' lives. To donate, call 855-402-BABY, 855-402-2229, 855-402-2229. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. 
As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. Programs start as low as $349 per month. And there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now, 855-565-2561. 855-565-2561. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. What a night. We don't know who the next president will be yet, and that's a new thing. We usually do know who will be the next president after election night, but not today. It could be quite a while. It's very interesting. Michael Anton over at the American Mind had a piece several weeks ago about the coming coup. That actually was the headline on the piece. The coming coup? Question mark. Democrats are laying the groundwork for revolution right in front of our eyes. And I thought it would be worthwhile to talk about this a little bit because I think we ought to know what we're dealing with. I really do. I I think that there is a, a special tendency among Christians to believe the best. I'm not against believing the best, but I also think we have to be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. And if we see something going on in front of our eyes, we should be quick to discern what is going on. So I want to share a little bit of what Michael Anton had written, because I think it's important for us to consider. Uh, He wrote that as if 2020 were not insane enough already, we now have Democrats and their ruling class masters openly talking about staging a coup. You might have missed it. What with the riots, lockdowns, and other daily mayhem we're forced to endure in this, the most wretched year of my lifetime, but it's happening. It started with the military brass quietly indicating that the troops should not follow a presidential order. They were bolstered by many former generals, including President Trump's own first secretary of defense, who stated openly what the brass would only hint at. Then, as nationwide riots really got rolling in early June, the sitting secretary of defense himself all but publicly told the president not to invoke the Insurrection Act. Remember that? His implicit message was, Mr. President, don't tell us to do that because we won't. And you know what happens after that. All this enthused Joe Biden, who threw subtlety to the wind, the former U.S. senator and VP, has not once, not twice, but thrice confidently asserted that the military will escort Trump from the White House with great dispatch should the president refuse to leave. Another former vice president, Al Gore, publicly agreed. Three times Joe Biden has said that. One might dismiss such comments as the ravings of a dementia patient and a has-been who never got over his own electoral loss. But consider this. Over the summer, a story was deliberately leaked to the press of a meeting at which 100 Democratic grandees, anti-Trump former Republicans and other ruling class apparatchiks got together on George Soros's dime to game out various outcomes of the 2020 election. This is what we were talking about earlier this week, the Transition Integrity Project. One such outcome was a clear Trump win. In that eventuality, former Bill Clinton White House Chief of Staff John Podesta, plain Biden, refused to concede, 
pressured states that Trump won to send Democrats to the formal electoral college vote and trusted that the military would take care of the rest. The leak report from the exercise darkly concluded that, quote, technocratic solutions, courts and reliance on elites observing norms are not the answer here. Promising that what would follow the November election would be, quote, a street fight, not a legal battle, close quote. Two more data points. Over the summer, two former Army officers, both prominent in the Democrat-aligned national security think tank world, wrote an open letter to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs in which they urged him to deploy the 82nd Airborne Division to drag Trump from the Oval Office at precisely 12.01 p.m. on January 20th, 2021. About a month later, Hillary Clinton declared publicly that Joe Biden should not concede the election under any circumstances. Hmm. This doesn't sound like the rhetoric of a political party confident it will win an upcoming election. Again, he wrote this several weeks back. These items are to repeat merely a short but representative list of what Byron York recently labeled. Well, I won't use the phrase, but coup stuff. Let's say that York seems to think this is just harmless fantasizing on the part of the ruling class. But Anton says, I'm not so sure. In his famously exhaustive discussion of conspiracies. Machiavelli goes out of his way to emphasize the indispensability of operational security, silence, to success. The first rule of conspiracy is you don't talk about it. The second rule of the conspiracy is you don't talk about the conspiracy. So why are the Democrats talking about it? Because they know that for it to succeed, it can't look like a conspiracy. They need to plant the idea in the public mind now that their unlawful and illegitimate removal of President Trump from office will somehow be his fault. Never mind the pesky detail that the president would refuse to leave only if he were convinced he legitimately won. Again, we're back to that same phrase. Biden should not concede under any circumstances. So the second part of the plan is either to produce enough harvested ballots, lawfully or not, to tip close states, sound familiar, or else dispute the results in close states and insist, no matter what the tally says, that Biden won. The worst case scenario would be results in a handful of states that are so ambiguous and hotly disputed that no one can rightly say who won. Of course, that won't stop the Democrats from saying they won. The public preparation for that has also already begun. Streams of stories and social media posts explaining, quote unquote, how, while on election night, it might look as if Trump won, close states will tip to Biden as all the mail-in ballots are counted. Oh, yes, and arrive from heaven, just floating down 138,000 of them at a time, all for Joe Biden, not one single solitary vote for Donald Trump. The third piece is to get the vast and loud, dumb left propaganda machine ready for war. That leaked report exhorted Democrats to identify key influencers in the media and among local activists who can affect political perceptions and mobilize political action, who could establish pre-commitments to playing a constructive role in event of a contested election, i.e. in blaring from every rooftop that Trump lost. Could you see the media doing that? Sure, of course. At this point, it's safe to assume that unless Trump wins in a blowout that can't be overcome by cheating and or denied via the ruling class's massive propaganda operation, that's exactly what every Democratic politician and media organ will shout. So then what happens? The Podesta assumption is the military will side with the Democrats. There are reasons to fear they might. 
And here's a key point. The Obama administration spent a great deal of political capital purging the officer corps of anyone not down with the program and promoting only those who are. Remember all that? Remember all the interviews that we've done with people? I have another one we're going to air for you very soon. Talking about the Christians who were basically purged from the military, usually over the LGBT issue. And you had a lot of chaplains or you had a lot of Christians within the military simply for saying, I'm a Christian and I have religious freedom and I am not going to go along with this idea that homosexuality is to be celebrated and I'm not going along with this transgender stuff. And what happens? They're thrown out. It's called a purge. If you want to use the old terminology of communist regimes, it's called a purge. And there were a lot of us at the time who said, boy, this looks like a purge to me. It's hard, though, to wrap your head around something when there's cognitive dissonance. But we live in America. We live in a free country. We have a constitution. We're the greatest nation in the world. We're the freest, most prosperous nation. Surely, if anything like this happened, the American people would rise up and wouldn't stand for it. Are we? Are we going to rise up and not stand for it? I don't think anybody wants a civil war. Antifa does. But I don't think most normal people want a civil war. Most people want to operate the way they always have. They want to be able to live and they want to be able to be free and they want to be able to have their families in decent order and have school and go to the store and be able to operate like a normal citizen would and drive places and have freedom of travel and be able to go to church and be able to do what you normally do. That's what most people want. They don't want constant street fighting. But what happens if it does end up being constant street fighting? What will the American people do then? Well, I will say one of the good things about last night was the fact that there were a whole lot of people, especially in Florida, who showed that there is a multicultural unity when it comes to keeping America great. And that really threw the Democrats for a loop because they, you know, they came out with all of their race card criticisms. Oh, these people. I mean, the Young Turks was hilarious. They melted down in 2016. They were melting down last night as well. Oh, these people are just, you know, they're white supremacists too, and they're just embracing their inner white supremacist. What are you talking about? It's inconceivable to these liberals that somebody might actually love this country as is and be grateful to live here, especially those who lived under communism and understand to have a place of refuge is a blessing from the Lord. What happens if the United States is no longer that place of refuge, but a place from which people flee? We don't have a new world to go to. You understand that? That's why I am so impatient with people who make platitude type remarks. Oh, well, you know, we might lose the U.S., but at least we always have the church. I, God bless the Lord for giving us his church. God bless him. I love him for giving us Christ. He's our only hope. I know our hope is in heaven ultimately and not here on earth, but that does not mean that our present circumstances are trivial. They are not trivial. There are real people's lives involved and real people's futures involved. Our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors, people we know and love. We can't just take this line down. We can't just sit here and say it's no big deal. It is a big deal. And yes, God is sovereign. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He loves us. Will God have mercy on us? He always has mercy. Will he have special mercy now? We beg for it. We should beg for it. And I hope you will. We've got to leave it there. Thank you for joining us on Janet Mufford today. God bless you. We'll see you next time. 